Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Going to talk some Cubs, uh, you know, probably less this weekend with the Giants coming in, although it is fun to note that the San Francisco Giants are coming in for the weekend at the same time as the San Francisco 49ers coming in for the Bears opener on Sunday, and they are uh, with the Cubs. Giants getting picked up for Sunday night baseball. The folks coming into town and Bears fans in town can do the double dip. They could come to Soldier Field to see the Bears and 49ers, and then in the evening go see the Cubs and Giants. So I just I found I just think that's fun that that worked out that way. Um, maybe not fun in what the results of those games will be, but fun uh, geographically nonetheless. Uh, so speaking of results of games not being great. Uh, Cubs had a wonderful start to this series against the Reds, really thumping them uh, and getting great pitching performances. Wade Miley finally returned to the rotation and was kind of sneaky, really good, actually. Um, I think he was overshadowed significantly by Hayden Wisniewski's big league debut, which we'll talk about in a bit. Uh, But, you know, you know, I thought it was nice to see Miley back out there and he got a ton of whiffs and he, the runs he gave up in the first were totally fluky and not his fault. And, I just thought that was a solid return. Um, But later in the series, of course, the Cubs dropped the latter two games with yesterday's uh, a particularly annoying but appropriate loss. Got the solid start from Adrian Sampson. Offense didn't muster a ton, uh, particularly not uh, without the help of the sun in center field. That that hooked them up with a couple of runs. And uh, the bullpen blew it. And uh, we know that that's been the reality since the trade deadline. The Cubs, I think, for a week or two, they they were able to stay afloat in the bullpen. But, um, you know, you lose those four guys and it's going to, the sting is going to show up eventually. And and we're in the thick of it now. Uh, And that game, as noted, uh, I mean, I saw it noted in the Tribune, but um, I'm sure it was noted elsewhere. It was the least attended Cubs game since uh, late 2013, so almost a decade that that was the lowest attended and uh, not necessarily surprising, a Thursday day game against a terrible Reds team when the Cubs are out of it, um, kids back in school, et cetera, et cetera, but I think still notable that that uh, chronologically at least makes sense that this would be a time for another nadir in attendance, excluding, of course, 2020 and 2021 when there were attendance restrictions uh so i think and and who knows maybe that maybe this would have been touched then but uh i'm curious your guys thoughts on like does it the extent to which it is expected that that this would be happening now and the extent to which it matters or doesn't in terms of any anywhere you want to take that i have some thoughts but i'll i'll leave it open-ended for now Sure. I mean, I remember that's right around when I started covering the team, maybe a few years after I started covering the team. And I remember thinking this that that it did matter that this was uh, the whole thing is, you know, Wrigley Field is filled up no matter what. Uh, It's the biggest bar in in the country or whatever. Uh, And and you you just kind of expect fans to show up no matter what at Wrigley Field, especially when there's nice weather. Um, but, uh, you know, eventually maybe it was – what do people point to? Kind of the Dusty era, uh, the Dusty Baker era is kind of being like 
uh, things kind of started to change there where it's like, no, we're not just showing up when uh, whether they win or lose. It's, you know, just to show up and have some fun. I, I You know, they did during the summer, the, the, maybe the peak months and maybe that was post, uh, you know, 2020, 2021, when the fans either couldn't go or didn't feel comfortable going. Uh, and and there were some some nice uh, filled up ballparks at you know, June, July on those beautiful days, uh, even though the team wasn't playing well. Uh, but I, I think this matters. I think it, I remember feeling it mattered in 2013. Uh, it didn't mean that it motivated the team to spend right away. I, I think that was a different situation. Uh, I, I would like to think that it's just one more small reason. It, it shouldn't be the main motivating factor in my opinion. Right. Uh, but at least it's, uh, it shows anyone that says it doesn't matter. They're, they're going to fill up that ballpark regardless that I don't know about that. Right. You made all those good points spread about why the ballpark wasn't filled up. Let's see what, what's going on the rest of this, uh, this month as well. When they're at home, even you're right. Kids being in school, uh, Thursday day game, all that stuff matters. But I, I mean, I'm not sure other than grabbing a beer with some buddies and because you haven't been in Wrigley in a while, what, what the draw is right now. So, uh, you know, there, there are things for the hardcore people, uh, to, to pay attention to. Sure. But that isn't who's the, the, those people are also probably the most angry about this and, and the least likely to show up at this moment. But uh, I, I think I, I think it's just another nudge, uh, another reason why we should expect some movement this winter. Uh, but uh, honestly, I'd put it lower on the list. I think there are we, we've talked about much better reasons why they should uh, be spending some money this winter. I think alarm bells should absolutely be going off uh, in the Cubs offices next to Wrigley Field because, you know, this shows some of that erosion i'd imagine to the season ticket base so the uh casual fans just the draw around this team and you know i'm pretty sure i was there on uh september 4th 2013 uh you had jeff samarja giving way to Carlos Villanueva, Pedro Strope, and Kevin Gregg in a game the Cubs ultimately won, beating a Marlins team that had Coy Hill at catcher and Justin Ruggiano wow. in center field, uh, wow. playing in between Christian Yelich and Giancarlo Stanton, and Chris Coglin leading off for the Marlins that day. So. Oh, the, the connections, <laughs> they abound. I did not think, by the way, folks, this is why you listen to Aunt Waveland, because you never know when you might get a Coy Hill drop. Uh, that's that's a pull right there. And, uh, but, uh, I mean, I think, you know, part of the issue, I mean, Adrian, Adrian Sampson said it yesterday in the interview room, you know, like, something like, uh, you know, heaven on earth is pitching at Wrigley on a day like today. And, then, you know, it was a nice day out, sure, but, like, it was half empty. Uh, the Cubs are on pace for 95 losses. And, you know, this team has been out of it for months. And I think, you know, there's, you know, back in 2013, you had, you know, Theo and his, you know, larger-than-life persona. And you had 1908 and this great last quest in North American professional sports. And, 
you know, it, the Cubs have things going for them. They have made improvements. They're doing stuff behind the scenes, but it's it's not the same. You know, when they say it's different here, that means a lot of different things. And I don't think uh, the Cubs should take for granted um, their place in Chicago or on kind of the national sporting scene because, you know, you think back to 2013 and now, and, you know, the comparisons are uh, in a lot of ways unflattering. And, you know, I, I just think like, this goes back to some of the like the baseball decisions we're talking about obviously you know that was part of theo's frustrations in boston right of like um you know want to sell sexy players for nesson or whatever the uh excerpt was and i think maybe francona's book with dan shaughnessy but it's like are the cubs really going to go into next year with like hey we got to see what we got with matt mervis at first base or like you know like Nico had a great year at short. Let's just run it back and see what he can do. Like, you know, Keegan Thompson, Justin Steele didn't really finish this season entirely, but, you know, we think building off of this, they're going to be good for 30-plus starts next year. Like, I, I think they got to pay for certainty next year, and I think it's a way to, you know, kind of spend money uh, to make money to make sure that there aren't um, just really – a really striking image of just how many empty green seats were out there yesterday. I tend to think we may hear some of those talking points uh, in March, but it, if so, it would be the product of some efforts falling through rather than um, a, a conscious design to enter this off season and not do the kinds of things that you're talking about. I just, for a number of reasons, like Sahad have mentioned, there are pure baseball reasons that it makes sense but it is appropriate for us to have this conversation about the purely cynical uh annual financial value of a team like the chicago cubs in a post world series era that's what yesterday screams to me as i think about you know that's a visual representation of what has happened to the season ticket holder base post world series because in a year like 2013 that's a it's an exceptional low back then because you still had you know the vaunted waiting list for tickets uh you know they still have it but i don't know how much waiting you actually have to do if you sign yourself up for it um you know in that at that time you had to have season tickets if you wanted to have the first crack at playoff tickets and the chance that you could get world series tickets you know if the amazing thing finally happened uh you gotta hold on to your season tickets because you you just can't be the one who gives them up and then boom they go to the world series and you could have been there and that's gone and i think i don't think the cubs underestimate the impact of that change i mean they've got all kinds of financial models and they you know i i, I believe that they are aware of it but i think we and other fans under discuss that topic in relation to the need to have a competitive team sooner rather than later because to the points both of you were making it, it is simply not the case anymore that that the, that marginal fan uh is gonna go to wrigley field to hang out uh because whether seeing a winning team or seeing a star player whether that's the deciding factor or not in in marginal attendance I think that it does at some level get people excited 
in a way that allows them to be persuaded to, you know what? Hey, maybe I will check out the, hey, maybe I will go today. Cause you're talking about a base of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of potential people. And you know, you only need to pull in a very small percentage on a given day to, to bump up that attendance significantly. And so you take those two factors, the, the diminished season ticket base, I suspect uh, Cubs are never going to say that publicly necessarily, but I suspect, suspect that's a factor. And then the marginal fans not having a great reason to tip them over into going is, I think, what we're seeing manifest. And while the Cubs long-term can work on that season ticket base, and certainly the luxury suites are a factor too, uh, I think what they could do in the nearer term is have a competitive team next year, have a compelling team that is still in the race come August and September. Uh, I'm not talking about a world beater, but just is competitive enough to give uh, groups of marginal fans and friends that are like, hey, what do you want to do this afternoon? What do you want to do tonight? What do you want to do this weekend? Well, let's check out the Cubs. They're only three games out. Like, I just think that's a real thing. And I think that that is a factor that the Cubs business side does think about. Uh, And I think it is something that they would not necessarily lean on baseball ops to be like, go do this or add these players. We need sexy players. Like was the, you know, the rumor out of Boston, but I do think that it's going to allow for the baseball operations budget to be in a place where it's like, okay, yeah, we do have the ability to, to make significant moves if we deem them appropriate from a baseball perspective. Yeah, I mean, there's there's just so many reasons why it makes sense, right? And we've we've I feel like we hammer this home, and I think it's important, and we're going to talk about it for the next month, for the next few months, until they actually make moves to either prove us right or wrong uh, as to why they need to do it. I think uh, I think we're seeing what some of the reasons right now, right? Uh, I mean. Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele aren't finishing out the season. We don't know how they handle six months of baseball. And and in in reality, you want to see how they handle seven months of baseball. We haven't even seen six months. And they're going to sell us. They're going to try and sell Cubs fans on Matt Mervis, who has done it once in a season for a month and a half or something, two months at AAA now. And he won't be playing deep into September and October either. So, I mean, these these just aren't uh, – it, it doesn't make a ton of sense for me to say – for me to hear them say, just be patient with the kids, right? All I hear David Ross say is like when, when he's talking about a kid struggling right now in September, it's like, well, it's the first time he's played in September – well, you know, that there's, you know, there's some things that he's going through. He's never played a season like this before. Okay, well, what's it going to be like when Pete, when Pete Crow Armstrong comes up? What's it going to be like when Matt Mervis comes up? What's it going to be like for Hayden Wisniewski next year, Caleb Killian, all those guys, Javier Assad, whoever you want to talk about, Ben Brown, all these pitchers and position players that we talk about, uh, they can't be the ones that are solely being relied upon, right? I mean, they have some nice veterans, uh, in in the team, but those are also aren't the impact guys that are supposed to carry a team to a championship. Uh, they they just have to do it uh, beyond empty uh, seats, right? It, 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 there's so many reasons uh, you you want to engage a fan base. It's not just with uh, homegrown kids. It, it just never can be just that. Uh, I mean, it wasn't even that the case in 15 and 16, right? So. 
so it it just like all signs point to time to time to pay up uh looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I do. I mean, I think it's great to have moments like they did. Uh, was it Tuesday? Uh, yes, Tuesday, because there's no game Monday. Uh, and we can if unless you have more to say, uh, Patrick, on the on the stands or anything on the fans or anything. Uh, I was going to just talk about Wisniewski and it. it's I mean, that was probably one of the more fun uh, outings uh, performances for the Cubs this year. Uh, a young player coming up. It wasn't a start, obviously, but that was dominant stuff. Uh, I I watched it from home, and it was very fun to watch. It was the type of stuff where you're like, yeah, I can see it. But I also I also want to point out that it was the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, he dominates right-handers, and I think he'll continue to dominate average to below average right-handers. Uh, I think that much is clear. Uh, but you know, I don't want to just say like, ignore it, but also don't assume that that's what it, what it will be going forward. Uh, he's, he clearly has a great slider. He clearly has, uh, that type of mound presence that David Ross kind of (laughs) loves. Uh, and you know, he, he, I talked to some people on Wednesday who said, they just kind of loved the fact that he was really pissed about that walk to to Albert Almora because he's like he basically was like that wasn't a walk I didn't walk that guy I threw two strikes that were called balls and he was upset about that instead of the fact that he went you know two two hits over five innings no runs eight strikeouts it was that one walk that that kind of stuck in his craw and I I think that's the type of stuff that you know the non uh, pitching stuff the non look at the stuff. The, those intangible qualities he clearly has those as far as what you want from a uh, a baseball player and uh it was it was a nice outing it was a really impressive outing the perfect landing spot for him uh i'm i want to see more obviously i, I want to see how he handles teams uh i guess it'll probably end up being the giants and not the mets which is too bad uh if if he stays on this kind of like just piggybacking miley type thing uh but we'll see because uh, I think the Mets would have been a real I mean maybe that's too big of a jump but the Giants will be a big enough jump uh, you know it's it's hard to get much lower than what the Reds put out there right now I mean as if like watching Kyle Schwarber getting demoted to Iowa months after the World Series or some of Chris Bryant's up and downs like weren't enough of a reminder like 
seeing Jeremiah Estrada going from being anointed to like the Cubs Hall of Fame off of like one inning in Toronto and then having a couple like, you know, clunkers that are like to be expected for a guy who began the year, what, in, in A-ball? Um, I think with – and I thought you wrote it well, Sahadev, of even getting Moscos to basically admit it of being like, well, we're not going to like invent problems yet, but clearly he's going to have to do it against better lineups. I'm paraphrasing him here, but um, I did like, you know, Ross yesterday. I haven't transcribed it yet, but I had asked him about, is it nice to at least see a guy with like right now stuff after Jed traded away basically your whole bullpen? And he said he kind of joked about that with Wisniewski being like, you know, Scott Efros was pretty good here. Let's see what you got tonight. And he was like, I was, it's like I was joking, sort of. It was kind of a, uh, a longer story. But yeah, I mean, if you're trying to look ahead to next year and see what you got, I mean, that's kind of why I laugh at some of this 40 man roster stuff, too. It's like, oh my God, the Cubs have so many good players. How are they going to like find, find it? It's like, well, they are going to lose around 95 games this year. And, even the guys who were locks for 40 man last year or for, for next year are guys that come with a lot of question marks. When you see, look at who's on the injured list now and who's, you know, completing like their first kind of wire to wire season or close to wire to wire season. Like there's a lot of uncertainty. Even the guys that are, have been nice stories and you're counting on for next year come with like really big question marks. And that's why, um, and even if they are healthy next year, there's going to be that kind of year two, that constant cat and mouse game that the uh, opponents play. And if you want to uh, ha- be relevant next year, you're going to have to pay for it. You know, I mean, I mean, <laughs> what was the game against the Pirates this year, Brett, when like the Cubs scored like 20 something runs? It was a beautiful day at Wrigley. Like, that was what, like April 18th? That was like the high water mark of the season. <laughs> they still had like, you know, <laughs> 70 home gates to fill. And that was probably the high point. Saya went off. The Cubs scored like 20 something runs. It was like, oh, look at this. Maybe the Cubs got something. And then like a week later, a bunch of guys went on the COVID injured list and they lost a bunch of games in a row. And everyone knew they were going to be sellers. Like, if you want to extend that window past like, I don't even know if the NBA playoffs had started yet. Like, if you want to get past that window, <laughs> you have to pay for it. Yeah, I, um, you know, Alfonso Rivas hit a three-run homer in that game. I remember, and it was like, ooh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, no, I think you know this season has a lot of times in a lot of ways. Uh, I think that actually transitions me nicely to this point, which is that. This year has had a lot of opportunities to remind us that the flashes that we see from young players and even some of these like reclaimed veteran players, a game or two or three or a week or three can feel like a very long time when you're living it because we, you know, you live this game every day and a game is a long time. You know, a game is like a whole day's worth of performance and you see these flashes and you're like, okay, that's what this guy is. Wow. And you just, you have to be reminded, you know, when Seiya Suzuki is amazing for two weeks, you have to be reminded. That's not how it is. When Christopher Morel is amazing for two weeks, you have to be reminded. Um, when Alfonso Rivas starts hitting for power, you've got to be reminded. And so I, I think about that, not as a, I'm not being a, a downer here, but when I see Wesneski have an outing like that, 
the first thing I thought of was Caleb Killian's debut. And the results weren't the same for Killian. But if you'll recall, the first, oh, three innings or so, it was like, I, it, it, had I you guys standing next to me, you know, and we were like preparing for a podcast and he's pitching. I just would have given you side eyes. I would have been like, Ooh, hello, hello. <laughs> um, and I would have been uh, silly for doing that. Of course, not just because of what ultimately happened, but because the game reminds us that the, the challenge extends so far beyond that first outing and the adjustments that come, the life changes that come, the, scouting reports that come the different lineups that come uh and so that doesn't mean you don't celebrate the that first inning from jeremiah estrada or the this this debut from wisneski and you don't look at the pitches and break them down and say okay yeah i see this looks like a big league caliber pitch this looks like a big league caliber pitch he's going to need to work on this oh i see lefties being able to take advantage of this whatever you do all of that but you what you don't do especially in september looking ahead to next year is say oh thank god now they've got a number three or number four in wisneski you know that's that's locked down or oh you got to lock up one of those bullpen spots for estrada done you know to me what's more exciting is these are guys of of a, a caliber and a type that the cubs haven't had in a very long time which is guys who are almost certainly big league caliber pitchers on the 40-man roster with minor league options left who are true and legit prospects who can come up and contribute when needed next year as they continue their development. Like we saw that just the tip of the spear here was just Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson being able to be those guys. Come up, maybe pitch out of the bullpen a bit, maybe get some starts here and there, maybe you start to settle in, whatever. But you don't have to have them I'm saying in a competitive year, you you don't have to have them doing that just to be any good, right? You build out a rotation and a bullpen that's like, oh, this already looks good. And you've got this guy as a backstop. You got this guy at AAA. Wow. Because the injuries and the bullshit are going to happen. The bad things are going to happen and you're going to need someone to fill up. And that's part of the development process. And it just excites me because particularly on the pitching side, we haven't seen this for the cup from the Cubs in a decade. And so circling back that's why i get excited when i see a wesneski debut because i remind myself that doesn't mean that he's a breakout superstar immediately whatever it's that okay they may have yet another guy who is a potential for next year you know who is like a quality backfill for next year while he develops and then maybe he does settle in as a three four five um because you just have to have so many of those guys they can't all be you know reclamation types you know you want the cubs to keep doing that because they seem to be really good at it but at some level you've got to have prospects coming up to fill in because if you look around the league at the teams that do very well that's what happens you know they have these extra prospects that in spring training it's like damn there's not a spot for him and then inevitably comes up and contributes in in may and maybe a little bit in july and then oh he's good to go in september like i just see it constantly with other teams and we haven't seen it with the cubs and that's what excites me about the depth that's growing uh right now yeah i mean uh you know what like someone like gavin lux would have been starting uh like for the cubs for the past few years uh not like a guy that is like an extra piece in that 
slowly grows into that starter's role. Well, Tony uh, Gonsolin just, yeah, was, was up and to... down for like five years. Exactly. And he was like clearly a big league starter, but it was just like, well, we don't have space. So, yeah, And I exactly. think the same was true with Urias, right? I know he had injury Yeah, he uh, came up problems, super early. But, but, yeah. but then he also was kind of up and down. There were injuries, yep. but like he, you know, they, that's that's what you do. You You have to have this. You don't just anoint a guy and say like he's, like you said, like, no, I don't care what Wisniewski does the rest of the way. Or obviously, I care about it. You want to see how good he can be, uh, and you want more information that he is legitimate and solid and and could be a, a future starter. But I think that, and I kind of try. You know, we we did like a September what to look at in September, and and I wrote a section about Wisniewski. My point was. What what he does this month isn't about him locking in a spot in the rotation. If he does well, it should motivate the Cubs to say, look at all this depth we're creating and look at what we can do. If we add more legit, like a 100% no doubt starter, a couple of those guys to the rotation, even if that backfires, even if one of those guys is like, ah, oh, his elbow's barking. Well, now, like, it's not just wasted money and we have nobody to bring up and say, like, okay, let's fill this for two months with flotsam it's it's legitimate starter right a legitimate guy that can give you innings and and it's not like like gonsolin's just like the perfect example he came he he's come in over the years and 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 filled out a rotation when needed but it wasn't like okay now you're you have to go you we're relying on you in the playoffs we can't win without you we can't like our success relies upon you uh it relies on the depth. It's it, it, that that's what it's about. It's not about no doubt starter, no doubt number two, whatever it is. If he develops into that, great. That's a, that'll be awesome. But you don't want to rush these guys either. And being able to spend and being able to bring in talent, and uh, you can do both. It's not just homegrown talent, and it's not blocking homegrown talent either. Uh, there's there are ways to make sure that you're a great player development uh, draft and development team that also spends a lot of money, and there's no reason why the Cubs can't be that team. One last note uh, for patience. Ben Zobris was in the news this week with Jed Hoyer saying he'd like to uh, potentially bring him back next year in some sort of special assistant advisory role. Uh, one of our Commenters on our website had mentioned Morell and Zobris would be great to have like Zobris work with Morell in spring training just as you know the super utility guy of this generation talking to a guy who's trying to learn at the big league level uh Ben Zobrist when he made his professional debut in the New York Penn League was basically the same age as Christopher Morell is now in the major leagues playing center field shortstop second base uh, and third base and obviously those are extreme examples different circumstances the game has changed but uh for me I thought it was an interesting perspective you see Morell still fist bumping the vendors at Wrigley through the net while he's in the on-deck circle learning how to do the job uh, at a really high level playing into September I thought it was a good uh reality check for myself of trying to put yourself in the organization's shoes and see it from their perspective of what he's trying to do now that Ben Zobris was playing for the Tri-City like Valley Cats or something around the same age and uh Morell's doing it at Wrigley Field. Powerhouse. Yes. Powerhouse yes. club. 
no, uh, no, that's a great point. And it's and it ties it marries well with Sahadik's point and my point that having these guys who are learning on the job, who are developing, who are quality depth, positional, starting, bullpen, whatever, is all the more reason to spend aggressively in free agency because you have that backstop in place such that it isn't like you're you're just sending out dumb money that if a guy breaks well you're screwed and then it was just wasted money it's like no you're you're trying to create that front line ahead of your backup line and the cubs are in a position to do that both because they have the money and because now they have the depth and uh maybe that'll bring out some more fans next year boom full circle self-contained podcast this is on to waveland it's the cubs podcast here at the athletic I'm Brett Taylor. You can get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That is Patrick Mooney and Sahadev Sharma. Get theirs at The Athletic. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend taking in Cubs, Giants, Bears, 49ers. And we'll be back at you next week primarily to talk about the Cubs, though I'm not going to lie. If the Bears pull out a shocker, I might I might drop a Bears reference at the top. So let's all root for that. All right. You guys have a good weekend. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. 